Hello and welcome, David and Brent, this week. Thanks for joining us. It's May the 28th. We're recording on Thursday this week. Uh, a lot to talk about, a lot of new content on the AEI Premium side. I'm going to get started off with an article that I'll be writing over the weekend getting posted, but you should be updating your forecasts for Chinese purchase of U.S. ag exports. You know, if I was going to summarize this, the outlook for getting the $35 billion is, is pretty bleak at the moment. My forecast is down to 7%. You know, we looked at the data a lot, a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of popular press articles that if you read three of them, you get confused by the end. But we looked at some of the data and it's just soybean exports aren't there. Total exports are not really there. And non-soybean exports aren't there. They're a little bit better than last year, but they're just not very impressive. In fact, the pace has gotten worse since from January to March. And so I'm gonna write this article, you should be updating your forecast. The consensus is around 15 or 16% chance that we get to 35 billion. I'm at seven. I'm not sure, sure how much lower I would take this forecast given it's nine months away uh, in the data and, and six months, seven months away in reality. Plus you have the saber rattling going on again, right? There's like this talk that we might tear this thing up. So Brent, where are you at? You want to share your forecast? You have that handy on your... I don't have it handy, but it's low. It's probably about 5% or something. I, I mean, and I, I've got to be honest, you know, I was very happy to see the phase one trade deal. I thought it was a real positive step forward when it happened. And I didn't even really worry that we might not get to 60 billion. I just wasn't worried about or. 40 billion, wherever the heck it was. I wasn't that worried about it, as long as we got back to kind of a reasonable level. But uh, I think over time, we've just kind of realized it's just not, not going in a good direction. And uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of positive news on that front. And so, um, you know, I think being realistic, you know, if we get to 18, 19 levels, even if we got to 16 levels at this point, it would be a major win, wouldn't it? I like how you frame that up, right? We were at 13 to $16 billion during the trade war, 20, $22 billion before the trade war. And as you mentioned, when we signed the deals, like, okay, now we can start heading back to where we were. If you look at the data right now, you kind of scratch your head and think, we're either going to be at trade war levels or worse. Uh, and, and in some ways, we are worse off today than we were a year ago. Things have kind of deteriorated since we've signed the phase one trade deal. There has been not a lot of momentum. Of course, a lot of this is the economic or the, the economics of the pandemic. We're seeing a lot of reshuffling in the supply chain, a lot of challenges. China has some pretty significant economic headwinds. They went through the slowdown for or the shutdowns first. And, you know, the other interesting thing to keep in mind is $35 billion is the number that we kept in mind. They were talking about the billions of dollars they were going to commit to with the phase one trade deal. Commodity prices across the board are 10 plus percent lower. And so right. it's even harder to get to that threshold. You're going to need more bushels at a lower price to get that threshold. And so China's got to buy a lot and time is ticking. So the data that are available are January, February, March. April and June, uh, excuse me, April and May have occurred, but not into the database yet. And so I'm still, ho I'm hoping that we can change our forecast. And as context, I was as high as 50% after we signed the phase one trade deal. I'm down to seven. I'm really hoping we can get back to 50%. We start seeing some data come in. Yeah, that but would be really nice. It'd be good to have some good news here. So soybean purchases are usually pretty dismal in the summer. So we'll see if that kicks up. So Brent, right. you thinking about trade as well, 
you had a little different spin on trade this week. Right. So I wrote an article about the dollar. And uh, one of the things that's happened in since the pandemic is the dollar has strengthened considerably. And I wrote an article about that. And what it what you find when you look at that is you see tremendous strength against emerging markets and China being one of those. It's it's just going to be a major headwind and kind of as a double whammy. If you look at say Brazil, uh, their currency is weakened significantly against uh, the U.S. dollar. A year ago, you could get you know it only took five reals to buy a dollar. Now it's somewhere around seven. So a major deterioration in exchange rate in, against exporters from the U.S. And so just a lot of headwinds. And I think part of that is flight to safety, people demanding dollars, but part of it is debt issues in countries that have to have dollars to repay debt and uh, they don't have them. And so the dollar, you know, when there's no commerce, you know, the dollar is getting bid up and uh, it's, it's a it's a problem. Yeah. And so I'm looking next week, I'll have an article looking at commodity price levels. And the one that you didn't mention there is, well, you mentioned your story, right? The dollar has maintained its, the strength of the dollar has been consistent with other developed countries. It's the developing countries that we've really seen the dollar get appreciate against. And one of our biggest corn buyers is Mexico. And so when you look at the data, Mexico is facing higher prices for the corn they're buying. So they got to take pesos and buy dollars and that gets more expensive. They can buy less corn. So a thousand pesos buys less corn when the exchange rate moves the way it has moved. And so we're getting some more data out of the USDA this week. We're going to update those articles and get that posted. But I think this is one of those headwinds that we got to think about. But, you know, Brent, I'll also point out the dollar strengthened during throughout the beginning part of that last recession, right? Oh eight, oh nine. And then we had a really cheap dollar on right. the backside of that. And so this is not to say we're cursed with uh, a high right. dollar for the foreseeable future. Right. Maybe for the next few months, but not the next few years. You know, everything changes, but right now it's a, it's a big move. It's very noticeable on any kind of chart you look at. It's definitely something to keep in mind. So a couple other articles I want to, uh, make sure people get a chance to check out La Nina is back and circulating. And we have a great article, Sarah interviewed two meteorologists, Al Dutcher from Nebraska and Eric Snodgrass. These are actually two of the, the weather folks, Brent and I really like to read and follow. So there's a great article, part one, and there's going to be a part two that comes out next week. Uh, also, we have some early AEIs and working with Jeff Young. There's a couple articles about yield forecasts and what might be in store for yields. We have these questions about the trend yield potential here in 2020. So read these articles, check out what the USDA was talking about. We're into the growing season now. So a lot of data is going to come flying at you. Right. And I think the, the yield thing's kind of interesting to look at those charts. I mean, the forecasts last year were very close. Doesn't mean they'll be close, you know, as, as accurate this year, but given the current situation, it's looking pretty likely. So I think we have to at least weight that in our forecast that uh, we're looking at a, at a pretty decent sized corn crop right now. And I think that's basically what the market's expecting. Yeah. Again, we're putting these models together. 
sharing with you sort of in a very transparent way. There's no black box here. Um, we're just sort of saying, here's how we think about it. And if you put that context of data that's publicly available into these models, this is what it spits out. Uh, and so we're gonna share all that with you to help you navigate, because there's always a lot of forecasts out there. And sometimes you scratch your head when you see some of them, so. Well, it's just like, I think your point on the exports, the Chinese exports, I mean, I, if you're just reading kind of news articles, ag news articles recently, I would be under the impression that the Chinese exports are coming along pretty darn good. But I'm not sure that the data bears that out at all. We're just trying to help give people the facts. No spin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's our uh, data-driven insights, and we have no bias here. We work for the users and the, the, the subscribers, right? So we have nobody else to uh, answer to. So anything else you're watching, Brent? Any other forecasts you've updated this week? No, just I think, you know, still trying to get a handle on just the overall economic situation, the overall economic climate out there. And had some questions this week from people about, oh, capital investment, what do you think is going to happen in the sector level? And I said, you know, I think, it's going to be very slow. It's just a time period. It's just a tremendous amount of uncertainty. I think farmers and everybody are rightfully so taking a break or taking a pause on capital investments. And um, so I think still trying to get a handle on all that uncertainty. It does. I still continue to feel like the virus news seems to be getting better, not worse. The economic news, I'm not so sure that it's not going to get worse before it gets better. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Something you and I have been emailing about, we should probably wrap our minds around a little bit, is summarizing some of the latest economic information, latest virus information. But I agree with you. There's been a lot of progress on the virus front. I think it's it's easy to overlook. So the last thing I want to share before we wrap up, and it's unrelated initially, but I'll bring it back to why it's related. This week on Wednesday, SpaceX got really close to launching two astronauts, two human astronauts, you know, human space flight from the U.S. The first time ever we've had a non-government organization launch uh, humans into space. First time we've launched astronauts from the U.S. since the space shuttle was retired in 2011. This would be really big groundbreaking news. And Brent and I talked about, this is probably something, you know, our grandkids are going to learn about in textbooks, right? If you're excited about the future of space, this could be a very big day for the future of space and space travel and all that. So they had to scrub it. They're going to try it again this weekend. They have two windows this weekend, but keep an eye on that. I think why it's relevant is we're sort of stuck in this conversation around COVID and economic uncertainty. And so it's sometimes interesting to consider, especially if you look back at historic events, like, you know, what was going on when the Wright brothers first flew their airplane at Kitty Hawk? I don't know, right? But it's interesting to sort of take historically significant events and see the context at which they were going on. I think this is one of those situations where this could be a really big event for history, but it's easy to overlook it in light of all the other news. That's what I said, too, is be interesting to just take and write your top six headlines that have nothing to do with COVID. And think about a little bit about what we're not talking about as opposed to what we're talking about, because there is, there's a lot of other stuff going on. And uh, I think that gets drowned out. You know, the news cycle is notorious for that. It gets stuck. And the most obvious example I could always remember was uh, Gary Condit. 
a congressman who was accused of killing Chandra Levy. If you can remember that, uh, it was on the news every night. Uh, he was doing interviews. I mean, constantly on the speculation that he had killed her. He'd had an affair with her. Everybody thought he killed her. And it was just every day. That's all that was on there. And then suddenly Gary Condon disappeared from the news for about seven years. And what knocked him out of the news cycle, I, I think that was 9-11, if I remember right. Uh, 9-11 happened. Never heard about Gary Condon again until they found, I think, Chandra Levy's body or, or, or figured out that somebody else killed her uh, and arrested somebody else for killing her about six or seven years later. You know, we get so focused on what is just right in front of us that sometimes we forget about all the other stuff going on. I think that's, I think that's just important for all of us to think about what else yeah, whatever, is happening. Whatever happened to those UFOs that were out in your part of the country, Brent, yeah. and then drones. the drone, yeah, the drones. And then, and then you mentioned, uh, you know, the Pentagon released those drone videos in the middle of this right. COVID thing. Right. And they kind of right. like people talked about it a little bit and then it went away, but yeah, there are lots of things that sort of get, African swine fever, right? That's another right. story. That's I just we have a headline this week, in the what's going on about how African swine fever is still going around the world, and we're not. It's not Nobody's a story that we're, about it. that we're focused on. So we only have so much attention, right? And so and we talk about the media cycle, right? But it's also us and how much attention right. do we have? And if we're focused on something, hyper focused on one thing, we're not able to take in a lot of the other information. Yeah, I mean it's not the media's fault per se. I mean they're giving people what they want. Uh, I mean, they 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 drive it based off of what people watch and consume. But I think you know we're we're so straight line focused. We get on one story, and that's all we think about. So anyway, think about something else besides COVID for the weekend. All right. Thanks a lot, Brent. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Thanks a lot. Take care.